Hello, everybody. Welcome to What's the Story podcast. This is WTS 290. I am Graham Merrigan. How are you, Danny? Absolutely spitting. I'm being blinded by the sun here in my box room in uh, Costa del Park Leash. But I mean, look, we can live with that, Graham. We can live with that. And do you know what's great about that? That it's quarter past seven and you're being blinded by the sun. I love that. That's it. And the room is nice and toasty, being heated by uh, the elements. And I'm all right with that, Graham, because, uh, you know, the old heating bills after coming in after the winter are fucking terrifying. Oh, really? Um, and they're all right. They're up. But they're up for everyone. So I'll say no more. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice. You're right. It is. The, the, the bright evenings and all that actually feel, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's bright. It makes a big difference. It does, yeah, and it, your your day is not really limited anymore, you know. Uh, very true, very, very you're, true. You're, you're allowed kind of, like in the sun, or in the winter, I always feel, once five or six o'clock hits, ah, I'm not doing that tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, it just becomes sort of, that's me on the sofa now, it's miserable yeah. out there, I'm not. But now, with the grand stretch and everything officially in, it's kind of, you know, oh, listen here, I'm going to be out there at nine o'clock in the evening, enjoying the last throws of daylight. Yeah, love it. Brilliant. Come here. There's two things. There's three things. Three. Three things. Okay. So, firstly, it's just you and I this week because, yeah. unfortunately, our guest overbooked and he's our he's our he's our oh my god stutter 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 excuse me apologies. He is a resident social historian, and that's obviously Donald Fallon. But he'd be he'd be back next week, and um, so thanks to Donald, he had a, another project. Um, this evening and had to postpone at late notice. Always um, worth the wait, is Donald. So I'm I'm gonna just ask you. I'm gonna not interview you as such, but I've got three topics. Right. I want to bring up with you. I forget the third one. No, I don't forget the third one. Oh, so right. the first one, Bruce Springsteen. Yes. You went to two out of three Bruce Springsteen Dublin gigs. I did. The second topic. Is Eurovision Ireland are out? They are, and you are or were a Eurovision fanatic, so I want your thoughts on that. Yes, and the third one, which is the main event of this episode, you and your lovely wife Oksana did the big shop this evening. So I yeah. want to know certain things about the big shop. Excellent, yeah. The, the big shop is a big one in this house, but we'll, right, will we start with Bruce then? We'll start with Bruce. So, how was Bruce? Fan. Fantastic. Right. Now, is this objective or is this, yes, fantastic? Well, look, it's it's my opinion. And I admittedly, as you can see over my shoulder there, there's a Bruce Springsteen album on the wall. Yeah. And, you know, but, but for me, it was up there with two of the best shows I have seen. Now, Danny, just, just, just for people that can't see. Yeah. Can you just go from left, well, from Bruce... Onwards as to what records you have hanging on your wall. We can, of course, yeah. So you've got Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, iconic album cover, himself and the big man, Clarence. Uh, beside Bruce, you've got Friend of the Show, and I don't use the term legend lightly, but the great Christy Moore, the On the Road album. Brilliant, Brilliant live album. One of the best live albums of the last 20 years, I would say. Absolutely agree. Um, Next to Christy, You've got Red Hot Chili Peppers, California Cation. That, that for me, I think that came out around 1999. 
and it yeah. was I was just at that age where you were starting to buy your own music. And you were starting to rock out. Yeah, and I remember having a disc man at the time and getting Californication album. And I would say I had the song Other Side on repeat one for about two weeks. Fucking Is that your favourite so- song on it, yeah? I, do, I think at the time, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. But now, if I was thinking, it'd probably be... It'd either be Scar Tissue or Road Tripping, I'd say. Around the World is mine. Around the World's a great one. It's a great album. Great it, album. It, does, it doesn't get the love it deserves. No, brilliant album. No. It did at the time for some reason, but the longevity of it doesn't seem to be getting is, the retrospective love. Yeah, um, which is weird. It's weird. I, was, I think it's one of their best. Anyway, look, that's... Uh, next to the Chili Peppers, we've got uh, Neil Diamond. Love oh, the Greek, another yeah, great yeah. live album, and uh, the, the love for Neil Diamond is a Murray thing, is it? Cousins and everything. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's specifically the Murray family that have filled out stadiums around the world now. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I've I've been to see Neil Diamond. You and your cousin Michael adore him, don't you? Uh, Michael adores him. Keith adores him. Uh, D- D- Daddy Mick, my uncle Mick adores him. My dad adores him. He's just. Deadly. No, he's he look, there is definitely elements of uh it being a Murray thing, but I mean I've been to I think I've seen Neil Diamond eight times over the years. And I've seen I, I, I remember seeing Bill O'Hurley he had a gig, I remember Jerry Adams being at a gig in the old Lansdowne Road, uh Bertie Ahern being and this I think it was two thousand two or two thousand three, I can't remember. And uh Neil Diamond made a comment about the Irish Premier being in attendance tonight. Well. And the state when I say Bertie received a hero's acknowledgement. The state it you know, so this is you're talking Pete Celtic Tiger and all that kind of crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not turning this into a a fanboyish Bertie Hearn pod. No, but I'm just I'm just pointing out that it's not just a Murray thing. All right. (laughs) right. Yeah. It's a Jerry and Bertie thing as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that comes in houses beside Neil. That is Guns N' Roses beside Neil, yeah. Um, and Which album is it? That's just our greatest hits. I, I have used your illusion one and two, but they're downstairs. Uh, and I have you seen them live? I've never seen them live. And to be honest, I'm not sure I'd want to see them live. They're a weird band in ter- for me in terms of I love them, but they're so far away from their heyday, I'm not sure Axel's voice would live up to my expectation. And I... Yeah. I I I fear seeing them live. I could be very wrong in this. I'm sure people have seen them live and said, Dan, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. I <laughs> yeah. accept that opinion, absolutely. My fear would be I'd see them live and it would disappoint me. And I don't want that to happen. Mm. Fair enough. Guns N' Roses have one of the greatest cover versions of all time, by the way. What is sim- it? Sympathy for the Devil. Right. That's a cover? Yeah, that's a, that's a Rolling Stone song. Oh, of course it is. Jesus, yeah. sorry. And it's the Rolling Stones. It, it's a brilliant lyrically. It's one of my favorite songs ever. I just think it's so clever, so good, so you know, it hits so many right little kind of things, little passages through history and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's something about the Guns N' Roses version of it. It's just edgier. I love it. Yeah. And the next Guns N' Roses is U2 Octum Baby, the greatest U2 album of all time. Yeah, that needs no explanation or whatever. That's what it, I thought it was the greatest hits album for some reason, but no, it's Octum Baby. So they're the top six. Are they, is it fair to say they're the top six of your, they're your top six best albums, are they? Ah, no, they, no, they'd they just be so, so of a, of a vinyl player up here. Right. 
And if I'm chipping away in the office, uh, I tend to have. So at the are moment, they just on a, are they just on a hook so you can take them down? Yeah, they're just on a little shelf. A little, oh, little shelf. Oh, yeah, the little silver bracket. Yeah, see the little silver. Yeah, they're three D printed thingies. Unreal. You just stick them to the wall with that fucking the double sided sticky tape thingy yeah, that you can get. And uh, yeah, so that's so at the moment they're the six that are just rotating them as I'm sitting in the office chipping away at a bit of work. It's not very convenient. I should probably just use Spotify because the thing I love vinyl. <laughs> I'm, I've gone hipster with me vinyl, but the thing about it is you have to flip. You're so a collector though as well, Dan. You remember you're like. You're big into your collection, you know, you're big. Yeah. Into, you always have been, like. Well, yeah, and this kind of brings us a little bit full circle in terms of going back to talking about the Bruce concept. So on Tuesday night when I was at it, um, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was the last song was about to start. So I said to Cubes, look, let's just nip to the mare stand. I'll still be able to hear it. I'm happy out, but I want to grab, because he's 73 years of age. And while I don't want to write off anybody and sound ageist, just don't know if this is going to be the last time he's here. So at the Dublin concerts, and maybe at the other concerts, I don't know if they're doing it, but there's limited edition lithograph posters for each event, and they're capped, I think, at 400 per event. Hmm. I said, What's lithograph? It's a fancy poster. Right. I, if I, I don't know if you'll be able to see the sun, probably blind you, but if I turn that, can you see that one there at the far end of the wall? Yeah, yeah. That's a, a U2 one from their last tour. Right. Um, but they're just fancy posters. They're just printed on a sort of silk screen or something like that. And it's if there's any printers listening to me now, they'll be like, "You're talking out your ass. That's not what a lithograph is." But you know what I mean. It's just a fancy yeah. poster, basically. Yeah. Um. But there, yeah. So we done one for each of the three nights in Dublin. Uh, night one was green. Night two was white, and night three was orange. Oh, very clever. Well done, Bruce. Very good. Very so did you get one? We did. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? If this is the last time he's going to be here, I just I want something. So I've a bit of office wall, a bit of real estate there that I'm going to fill up. And uh, I think he'll be back, Dan. Like, I mean, I'm not 73, but he's a very young, energetic 73-year-old. Like, look at Leonard Cohen. I know he had to because... Ah, of, look, I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but of, you see, it's weird, right? But look at Christy. Christy was celebrated his birthday today, like 78. And he's yeah. still, still going strong. I On think, his own solo. Well, this is... I think if we are to see Bruce again in Ireland... And this is like absolutely zero to basis on other than my own opinion. I think it'll be more of a stripped down, intimate, probably indoor show. Yeah. Did Do you, are, are you suggesting that because of the performances the other night or? It's an element of everything, right? And, I, and maybe it was just like, I mean, in fairness, right? So the, the tour is from for the last album, Letter to You, which is a song about kind of hitting a certain point in your life and knowing that, you know, you've, you have fewer summers ahead of you than you do behind you. Oh, Jesus. Um, like, there's the, the song, you know, Last Man Standing, which he played, and he has been playing across this tour, is about him, the, the death of his friend, George Teese, who, when he died, Bruce realised he's the last remaining member of the original band Bruce was in, which was set up in 1965. Right. You know, so at 15 years of age, George Tees invited him to be part of this band. And then a couple of years ago, George Tees passed away from cancer. And Bruce, having seen him a couple of days before he died, didn't realise I'm, I'm the last man standing from that band, you know? And it, it makes him confront, essentially, his own mortality. And that's why I think Letter to You as an album for me, as a Springsteen fan, and I, I, I think other Springsteen fans would probably agree, 
is his I think his best work in about 30 years. Wow. It is absolutely brilliant. And the songs on it like House of a Thousand Guitars, um, I'll see you in my dreams. And he, he closes the gigs with See You in My Dreams, just him and accused the guitar. And it, it almost it feels like a little bit of a, I'm not sure if I'd say goodbye, but a farewell. It it's there's some it was it was yeah, I there's something it. in it. You know, so but, I just but it's it's not it's not it, you're you're not basing it on the kind of detriment of the performance or anything like that. Jesus, no, no, no. I will say he he has slowed down a little bit, right? He's seventy three, and he yeah. he didn't do a huge amount of crowd interaction, um, which is not uncommon for Bruce, but he just didn't seem as chatty and as you know. On the Tuesday night, there was a couple of laughs, and you know Max Weinberg, the drummer, uh, missed the cue, and he had a bit of fun with that, um. So, so there were elements of it, but I've seen him live before. I read that there was crowd interaction last night, though. A little bit, a little bit last night, yeah, but not as much. And I don't know, like, I mean, he... I, I'm kind of, I don't want to sound like I'm picking... Because, like, I mean, this is just me waffling, really, right? But, like, he was brilliant. Voices in fine form. The show was great. Loved it. The set lists were brilliant. I think there was maybe two songs on it I'd have changed because I'm just being a fussy fucker. But... <laughs> Like on Tuesday night, you know, once the sun had gone down, he looked freezing, like like an old person would go. God, it's after getting cold. To the point where he put on put on a jacket. I've seen him live. I don't know how many times, and I've never seen him put on a jacket and scarf. He go topless. You know. Well, I mean, he he, like he didn't know. In fairness to him, you know, at the end of night to play Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, the jacket came off and the short got ripped open. And he does not have the body of a 73-year-old. I can tell you that much. There, <laughs> there are men in their 20s and 30s who would look at that and say, I want what he's taken. Um, but just uh, at one stage, even on screen, it could have just been the screen now, but his lips looked blue. Oh, wow. and I just thought, fuck, he's feeling it up there. Like Now, in fairness, yeah. it's, it's night three. Of, and know, is it a world tour, Dan? Yeah, yeah. So he was in Barcelona last week, uh, and now he's off to Paris. And then from Paris, he'll go to... Scotland and then on around the rest of Europe and all that kind of thing. But he's playing. So he started in the US about two and a half months ago. Over to Europe now for the summer. The end of August, he'll go back to the US. He'll play a mixture of stadium and indoor shows. And that'll go all the way up to December. A long tour. Right. Long tour. But um, look, there were brilliant shows. The, the set list, it was like the first half of the set list was for the purists and for... The Springsteen fans. The last sort of hour, hour and twenty minutes was just banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. It was working through all the great Born to Run, Glory. Relax there, Seamus. Ah, relax there, Seamus. Yeah, shout out to Seamus. Huh? Um, like like everything you know, like it was brilliant, absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, the the twelve minute version of uh, Kitty's Back, I could have done without. Because there's a lot of musical wanking in that for my liking. And I just, you know, if if you're into it, you're into it. But if, if you're in, I just, it can kill the momentum of a concert for me. Like, it's right. it's, it's too much of a purist song. Right. Um. But then I say that and, you know, I mean, nine out of ten for the gigs for me. Deadly. So, yeah, brilliant. Love him. And if he does come back, I absolutely will go see him. And I hope he does come back. Um, Where's he after next? Paris. Paris, lovely. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, sorry, and I, we went off on tangents and everything there. I was trying to say, so when I was going to buy that merch, I was walking up, right? And I had my contact lens in. And I say lens because I don't wear one in one eye because, well, I can't see out the other one. So there's no point wearing two. Is there? That's economics for So um, I'm walking from the stand up to where the merch piece is. And I see what, in in my admittedly poor vision, thanks to the contact lens, was just an illuminous coat waving at me. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was, it was it was your friend and Gary's friend and an absolute gent all around, Rob. Yeah. And uh, as I got to him then, I kind Rob of... Rob got a free it. gig last night. Uh, it, listen, it, in the line of duty, right? Yeah, in the line and, of duty. Uh, he, yeah, he was waving anyway. And as I got to him, I was like, I recognise that face. I recognise that face. And before me or you could actually figure out, he was like, I'm Rob. I was like, I know, yeah, I'm Did he say that? <laughs> he doesn't give a shot. I felt like a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was lovely to see him. And he's, he's a lovely bloke. So yeah, it was, that, that, was nice. that was a nice little surprise. Uh, I always like when you go to a gig and you bump into somebody who, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob is a great, great guy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good. Because I did, I did see... Not many now. I think, like when I say, I see, I think single digit kind of tweets about the sound. You'll get, um, I think, any concert in Ireland, though. That exactly. Any outdoor concert is going to have a sound problem. It's like the RDS, while it's, you know, it's rugby now to people, it's, it's a fucking horse jumping arena. It's a horse yeah, show. Exactly. Like it's not designed for, and I mean, one of the stands is old. The Anglesey stand is. Fuck, and it's that there's pillar. I would have hated to have a seat over there because there's pillars everywhere. Your view is obstructed. It's been there for donkey's years. It's cold. It's miserable. It's grey. It's a horrible fucker of a stand. Yeah. Really, truthfully, the redevelopment of RDS has to happen sooner rather than later because if they're, you know, if Leinster continue to dominate and all that kind of stuff, it's a bit of an embarrassment that that's the fucking stadium that that's our home ground. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. Look, could sound be better? Sound could always be better at every outdoor concert in Ireland you know I've, I've seen bands in Crow Park I hate the sound in Crow Park I've been to the Aviva Stadium for concerts I hate the sound of the Aviva Stadium I think I think the Aviva is the best of all of them of all I would them. say the Aviva probably but it's the most modern as where well where are we calling it that it's Lansdowne Newey sorry Lansdowne Road Newey you're absolutely correct Graham. I withdraw my previous plugs for an insurance company of which I have no business yeah, um, but, yeah no that, uh, that, that's the best one I've been to like for air seats for the, the last U2 Joshua Tree yes so we were on the sound I thought was amazing yeah but we were on the but pitch like, and we, we were, were on the pitch yeah but yeah. I think if you're if you're behind you know when the speakers come out kind of three quarters of the way the second stack second yeah if you're behind that I think you're just getting a delay type thing and yeah. I think that was what some of the complaints were last night was that during crowd or not through the course of his gigs that during the kind of crowd participation or if he was telling stories and yeah. people were laughing it was a delay laughter going down the the the, the pitch yeah and I, 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 I could well believe that and I've, I've been to concerts before where I've been standing at the back and they're definitely like even where they're just talking or telling a story you're kind of like what's he saying what are, what are they saying yeah, yeah. Um. Like on Sunday when that's I, when the I, risk with outdoor gigs though. I've never been to an outdoor gig where you're kind of going, "Oh, the sound was amazing." Yeah, you know, Marty Park's actually good for an outdoor gig. Wide open. Yeah, nothing, nothing for reverb, nothing for anything. Just yeah. wide open, and the only thing that's going to absorb or anything is the trees that are in Marty. Like so, you know, it's 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 a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. I think. Look, I I was there on Sunday. I was standing. I was in the pit, so I wasn't far back at all. 
sound was fine. I was there on Tuesday. I was seating, but I was in seats that were fairly close to the stage uh, in the grandstand. Uh, absolutely fine. The sound was fine for me. But I, I could well believe if you're quarterback down the pitch or you're in the tail end of the stand or anything, then it's a different story. Um, you know, but, and yeah. um, one two things on that. Rob said you look great. Um, you, Rob, he looked great and, as well. A man in uniform never disappoints. <laughs> and on the second thing, you were at the gig last night, which meant uh, you missed the Eurovision semi final, the yeah. first night of the Eurovision semi final, which was held in Liverpool. Yeah. And uh, Ireland Wild Youth didn't get through. Now, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Eurovision savvy, I don't know, like. On the outside looking in, I'm kind of going, I've seen people debating today on, on Twitter about, you know, RT needs to, to stop with the Eurovision because they can't justify it anymore. They keep sending bad songs. But am, am I, am I pains to say, is the Eurovision in the last 10, 15, even 20 years even about the songs? Is it about the music I, anymore? It is. So, right. Firstly, the Wild Youth, respectfully to Wild Youth, not a good song. And just on that, yeah, I will. It's not that I agree or disagree, but I find myself singing the song. Right, fair enough. Right. So, what does that mean? <laughs> what uh, does that mean? The grand scale of things that it's just catchy, or that well, I yeah, I mean, it, look, the, the thing it's subject like music is subjective. It's like everything, I suppose. Right, but for yeah. me, for and and I'm saying this as like I love me a bit of Eurovision. I love me a bit of Euro pop. I love, you know what I mean? The cheesier, the better for me, right? Ireland's problem for the last 20 years or more at this stage is in the selection process because we're too attached to days gone by and the stuff we're selecting, meh. You know, now, um, look, Wild Youth may have deserved to get through to Saturday's final, but they wouldn't have been within an arse's roar of the top 10 had they got through to the final. That's the reality, like. So we can understand people are saying they are robbed, maybe, but 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 I believe that out of, I believe that three quarters of the acts last night were all kind of slated as favourites or great songs for the final. Like they were in, they were in a tough semi final. They really were in a tough semi final. The reality here is that like it's it's Lorraine and Sweden's to lose. That's that's the truth of it, right? Now Lorraine won it. 11 years ago with arguably the best Eurovision song ever Euphoria the only thing that lays a glove on it is Rock and Roll Kids Euphoria what's Euphoria sing a bit of Euphoria I won't because I've fallen for your drives before and I won't do it again Graham right? no it's not a drive is it the Euphoria I'm thinking of I don't know what Euphoria you're thinking you sing the one you're thinking of and I'll tell you no is it that like party song it is a party song yeah I didn't know that was a Eurovision song it, it absolutely it's a Eurovision winner yeah it's, so it is sometimes about the music. It is, no, it absolutely is. Right now, here, we'll get done for copyright. So this is not ours. This is obviously Marine from Eurovision. Right behind you here, look. Yeah, conscious of copyright, and we'll get done if we're not careful. So that's why I cut it off very quickly. No way! Yeah, I didn't know that was that was a Eurovision winner. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and you you do, you tend to hear it in, in places when you're out and about. Jeez, that's mad. So, like, me, naively, and I gave the disclaimer before saying, is it about the music? That, yeah. In Euphoria is a good song. So what do we, what, do, what does Ireland need to do then? Like, people saying, people saying that RT uh, need to drop it because they no. can't really justify it anymore. If that happens... What happens to Ireland's entrance? Does that mean that we won't have an entrance, an entry? In theory, yeah. Right. It does. Right. So, look, there are plenty of other countries who have developed models that work. Um, Sweden being arguably the best example, because the success they have had. Like, if Lorraine does win this year, that puts Sweden on seven victories alongside ourselves, right? Yeah. But the difference being... Sweden's victories have all been coming in the last sort of 15, 20 years, with the exception of ABBA and maybe I think one other, which were 70s, and I think they won once in the 80s. I could be wrong on that. Um, but but they've won four or five in the last sort of 15, 20 years. Um, and two of them have been absolute fucking humdingers. Lorraine Euphoria and uh, Heroes by Man Zem- Zemlo, Zemlo, Man Zemlo, yeah, Kraken Song. Ireland like we tried Eurostar, this fucking selection shit that we've been doing with the late, like respectfully, right? We put so much weight into previous winners' opinions whose mindset is still in the 60s and 70s when Ireland were doing yeah, fucking yeah. well. Dana Rosemary Scanlon should not be fucking near a judging panel. Is she a, is she a judge? Not this year, but in recent, I'm talking about the last sort of, you know, Ireland haven't won since, what, 97? Emer Quinn, the voice. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the last time Ireland won, right? And we've tried different things. We tried to do the novelty thing with Dustin. 26 years ago. Fucking not, hell. Not a good idea. That just wasn't ever going to, like, you know. Mm. Um, so what do you think we should do? Change the model. Yeah. Change the model to find good pop songs. Because that's ultimately what's going to do it. You look at the winners over the last 20 years, most of them, are, they, they, there has been one or two sort of sidewinders in there. But most of them are good pop songs. That appealed to masses. I heard someone today on the radio suggest we send Daniel O'Donnell. I mean, what the fuck is Daniel going to do? <laughs> Who would you send? You know what I mean? Honestly? Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, in, like, 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 listen to Lorraine uh, Euphoria there. Like, yeah. who, who, I mean, look, we're not trying to replicate. No, I, look, city, if, like, who, who, and does it have to be, does it have to be an Irish musician? Like, who would well, you send? Yes and no, yes and no. I mean, like, Norway won it with Alexander Ryback, and Alexander Ryback's from Russia, right? You just thought that Alexander Ryback was a wrestler. Uh, he probably was, yeah, as well. Uh, Feed Me More. Is that Ryback? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, he won it with Tale in, I think, like, 2009 or something like that. It wasn't a great song, but it was good enough kind of thing, right? Um, but, like, realistically, I think somebody like Lyra could do well. Um, I mean, they're, they're probably not, at a Eurovision point in their career, picture this could be a good option. Right. Um, but the, the the song that came second in the late late show night, I thought was far superior. I thought it was better. I did. I thought that it was, was better. the girl, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. It was only you. Like, now I will say, last year, um, Brooke, Brooke Scullion, mm. Brooke deserved much better than she got. Brooke had a really good song. It was. It was. It was as close to. A Eurovision hit as we've had, I think, in about two decades. Right, really? But, but last year, and playing, I, I am not saying this to flirt with controversy or anything like that. 
But I mean, you could have had the Beatles reincarnated and playing and Ukraine were still going to fucking win that contest. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Not saying their song. Their song was all right. It was very Eurovision-y. It was grand. But that was an occasion where every country in the bloc, with the exception of Russia, was fucking voting for Ukraine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so but that's what you do anyway. You'd, you'd change the model. You'd potentially send Lyra or the Saw Doctors or... Oh, no, sorry. Picture this. I mean, doctors. the Saw Doctors could be a bet as well if you wanted to play into it. But, I mean... Like, look, the N seventeen. A bit, a bit of fucking. I used to love her. That roiled them up. I think right. So, Sweden have melody fest every year, right? And it's broken into stages and heats, and it's basically you know the, the winner of stage one is put through the winner of stage. Sorry, there's several group stages. I mean, within stage one, all the group winners go through into a semi final and then semi and so on. It's a process and it works. You'll get some dog shit in phase one. But there's a reason Sweden are either winning it or in the top three consistently because Melody Fest fucking works, right? Uh, In 2020, when Eurovision was uh, cancelled because of COVID, the two songs from Sweden would have won it that year. If if they were allowed into Daughter, Bulletproof, and the mamas, I can't remember what the songs in the so mamas. So Dan, do you follow like like is your when does Eurovision season start? When when uh, are you it's December? It's... December sort of starts in earnest. Yeah, <laughs> I love your like you sound so confident, and I can't wait for December already. No, but it's you know what I mean. The, like the selection and, and what like like is there a website or where do you go or where where do you? Yeah, like does, where do you I mean... all and all your Eurovision chums go? I mean, like, there is a Eurovision website, but I mean, you, you kind of, all the countries have a pattern in terms of their selection process. And you just kind of get to know what's what, you know? And then, like, Sweden's the one everybody watches for because Melody Fest is fucking huge, like. Yeah. But they all start really and truly. November, December is when you separate the men from the boys in terms of what's going to go through to the final. And you'll usually find a winner or what sounds like a winner very fucking quickly. Noreen this year is the song to be. It may be beaten. If it is, there's a chance it's a Finland to have that cha-cha-cha or whatever. That's one of those novelty songs that might fucking upset somebody. Um, The, the Brits, God bless them, last year was their best shot. This year, they having a fucking hope. Um, Who's Rita Ora performing for? Uh, I actually didn't know Rita Ora was in it because I haven't been paying too much attention this year. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Uh, maybe she was a, like a halftime act or something last night. The the thing for me with it is that uh, the, like <laughs> there's no people who like that whole thing of like, oh, we should just stop bothering. We should just stop. But take a break for a year, maybe. Yeah, I'd be all right with that. So long as we're going to take a break, or am I say we? I'm talking about Ireland. As long as Ireland is, is taking a break to uh, actually, you know, sort of look at what we do with it and try to reinvent like, the wheel a little bit. But the, the reality is all that stuff people say about, like, the political vote and, you know, is it based on a pop song or not? It is. A couple of, like, yeah, a few years ago, you could definitely say that the, the blocks were voting for the blocks and there was an element of that going on. And you did. You had, like, Azerbaijan winning and, you know, you'd sort of those kind of countries that were popping up and a lot of neighbouring. And you'll always get an element of it in the public vote where you see, you know, San Marino give Italy 12 points and that kind of carry on. But the 
the, the voting system has changed now where it's 50% public vote, 50% judging vote. And anybody who's watched Eurovision in the last couple of years will, will have seen how much the voting flips when it goes from the judging vote to the public vote. And it actually makes it great entertainment on the last night. And I've just realised Mero's gone and I've been talking to myself for the last 30 seconds. There's probably a Eurovision limit for how much he's willing to actually accept me talking. And he probably didn't think of that before he brought this topic up. Which is exactly why I'm still rambling to myself here in the hope that he'll rejoin this Zoom call so the podcast doesn't just turn into me talking shite. Although that's pretty much what it's been for the last 30 or 40 minutes. He's back now so I can stop filling air and hopefully he won't even have realised that I'm... Is he back? My internet pissed the bed there. There we go. You missed me explaining the judging system of Eurovision and why it's great. I think you were froze for a good 30 seconds and I was like, he's either looking at his phone or he's not paying attention. But uh, yeah, so anyway, the listeners will have heard it all because I just kept recording. So yeah, we'll just leave it, leave it. My 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 wife, I decided to shit the bed there. But anyway, look, Eurovision, it's grand. This year, I'm not, I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to it. I'm not as into it this year as I have been in previous years. I reckon Lorraine will win it. If Lorraine doesn't win it, Italy would be a good out. Do you know what? If I, Italy is an each way bet, that's worth a show. Okay. And they, they're, they're another one that have tweaked how they send songs to Eurovision and it worked for them. Look at Maniskin winning it there two years ago. Lovely. You know? Right, Dan, on to the main event of tonight's episode. Yes. And it's something that sometimes when you're, when we're texting and you're talking about it, you seem so excited for this. I could be wrong. Some weeks you could be excited. Some weeks you might not be that excited. But this week, you particularly sounded excited about doing The Big Shop. I love The Big Shop. I love it. <laughs> and you know what? You do it on Wednesdays. What's that? What's, is there a strategy? No, no. We, we, we normally do it on a Thursday, to be honest with you. But just this week, Thursday doesn't work. So we said, we'll do it on the Wednesday and get it done now, out of the way. You um, love The Big Shop. Yeah. I, do, I get it. I get Right, so. Have you always loved The Big Shop? No. No, I used to hate it. It's it's since we started working from home right. that I love it, right? Because previously we were commuting five days a week, so the big shop was done on a Saturday morning, and I felt like I was giving up one of me weekend days to basically cleaning the gap and doing shopping, and I hated it, right? right. But then COVID came along, it was a great reset, and now we do it midweek because we're at home early enough. It's great. Deadly. So tell me what you like about the big shop. Firstly, what I love is going into the coffee shop next door to Dunn Stores, get myself a coffee for walking around. A walking around coffee is right. one of life's real pleasures. Right? So today I had a hazelnut cappuccino. Right? Gorgeous. Of Gorgeous coffee. Loved it. Loved it. I, oh, sensational coffee. So you, do you like the big shop or do you just like the, the, the walk around coffee? Both. It's the caffeine buzz I get while going through the fruit and veg oil because I'm halfway through the coffee at that stage. And I'm just, I'm fucking peppers and cucumbers and fucking bags of lettuce and potatoes and broccolis and mushrooms and just throwing them in the trolley because I'm energized. Right. Um, Many small shops happen after the big shop, or does that happen? I do. We'd, we'd probably do a, a one top up shop uh, for fresh bread and fresh meat. Right. That's fair enough. Yeah. You know, but, but our, our, our trips to the shop now, we have it. Fairly and 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 treats. the big shops do they include treats or is that, that just reserved for the top up shop? Ah oh, no no oh, no 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 the treats we bought in the big shop, Grant. Oh, yeah. a highlight of it. I was gonna say that's the the excitement of it. it. It's one of them because and that's one of the reasons I like going because I get a say what goes into the trolley. If I 
Hughes is a lovely woman. Love her. I married her. Right. But if I left Hughes <laughs> to decide the treats in this house, Graham, she'd be coming back with like honey cashews or fucking some shit. Like, I'm like, no. Get me me fucking Freddo bars and stop this. <laughs> stop this nonsense. You know, so... Uh, uh, Dunn's last week had a great offer of uh, you got four packets of Freddos for a fiver so I stocked up on them um, so I have enough Freddos now to do me for about a month and uh, I'd always get a bar- dirty, that Cadbury's dairy milk do uh, it's, a, it's a dairy milk with 30% less sugar right uh, which appeals to me post-surgery because I'm tricking myself into thinking this is closer to the sugar range I'm supposed to be eating within. Right. Not still. But we have everything in moderation, including Absolutely. moderation. Right? Absolutely. So the way, the way I operate is, right, I either, when I'm having my coffee in the morning and work, I either accompany that with a Freddo or I break off three squares of me there and that's me a bit of chocolate for the day, right? And it's working great for me and I'm fucking loving life, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, when I'm do- so when I'm doing the big shop, my priority is getting to that fucking sweet oil and getting them the trolleys to that and done. Right, that's, I'm like, great. I have me treat to look forward to. Come on, we go to the grown-up section now and we'll buy our meat and all that crack. Yeah. You know? So, well, yeah. I used, my, I used to love going to the, on the big shop with my granny. She yeah. used to bring to, uh, the big shop for me, I always remember it was crazy night at Super Crazy Prices on a Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she gave me Valley Brack used to do their shopping on fucking Wednesday nights and yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. I used to, I have a, I have a memory now. It could be wrong, but I and I could be making it up. But I have a memory of like crazy night, <clears throat> crazy noise prices where someone would go over the intercom with a deal every yeah. When oh, you're yeah. Now that did happen, and there'd be yeah. riots. There'd be yeah, yeah. fucking riots in the frozen oil when you announced five good fellas pizzas for the price of three. Yeah, I, I, I remember as well, like, there was a corner of, of Crazy Prizes in, in Ballybrack where um, there was loads of buggies just left there and the kids were put in the trolley. And I remember love sitting around in the trolley, my granny pushing me around and me asking, can I have that, can I have that? And also being told, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's a, was he I, always, I was treated with the old KVI uh, chocolate ice cream oh, or chocolate yeah. yogurt. Chocolate yogurt. Oh, man. Oh, the hazelnut yogurts. Sometimes I might get upgraded to the Oplay hazelnut yogurt. If there, if there was a deal on. Yeah. yeah. And, and and while doing this going around, I always used to sing uh, the Body Form song, not knowing that they were Tampax. I remember you telling me that before. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, Graham. I mean, a catchy jingle is a catchy jingle. Absolutely. but Maybe the Body Form ad would make a great Eurovision song. Well, Body Form, Body Form for you. But uh, yeah, that there, yeah. So yeah. that's that's the big shop done anyway. It's well, I tell you the secret. See, I'm 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 a finickety bastard. It's because I'm getting old, Graham. I check the dates on everything. Right. Whereas cubes will just throw them in the trolley, and it infuriates me. She just picked the first. Yeah. She, she's never worked in a supermarket. She doesn't understand the process of facing off and rotating stock. So when we go into the meat oil or even the bread, she's come home with bread that goes off the next day before. Graham, when yeah. I say there was murder in the house, honest to God, she was getting the heel of a batch loaf thrown at her. What good is this to me? Huh? It goes off tomorrow. It's like a brick. So when we get to the meat oil, I almost, in a dramatic fashion, put one arm across her and said, you leave this to me, love. Right? 
And she loves that. She loves that. She loves you taking control. <laughs> and I'm in, and I'm rooting in the deepest element of the fridge, trying to find the chicken with the best date. Because I'm not, I'm not buying chicken with only two days on it. I'm not, a sh- and I'm not one of those people that's like, I just put it in the freezer. No, no. bought something fresh. I wanted to be fresh. What is what is your biggest tip for our listeners in regards to the big shop? Uh, is, is it the going to the, the paying for it? Is it is it going for dry goods first, fresh food first? What what is your do you have any tips for the big shop? When you get to the bit where you're unloading the trolley onto the conveyor belt, think about your bagging process. Vital ground. You don't, want, you don't want all your fresh veg and your lettuce and your stuff that can be crushed and ruined at the bottom of your bags. So you need to load the conveyor belt in a way that's convenient. But you also need to buy yourself time, particularly if you're in an Aldi or a little situation where they've got Olympic sprinter scanners, where they just fucking whore the things down to the bagging area as if it's on fire and they need to get it away from them. What you need to do is scrunch up the, the barcode area. So if you have a little bag of onions and the, the barcode's on a tag, be strategic about it. Put your onions kind of halfway through it and scrunch the barcode up so they have to unruffle it and they have to fiddle with it for a minute before they can scan it. That buys you valuable bagging time. Takes the pressure off. No way. Things like that make a big difference. I like to hide barcodes. I like to mess with them a bit to make it awkward for them. All right. Yeah, and... um. There's a massive importance if you separating your products. Obviously, you don't want to put your fresh meat in with your soap powders and all that crap. That's that's age old, but it, I feel like it's a lost art in this day and age. I see people in the bagging area. You don't see backpacks anymore. Do you remember back in the day? You'd see local sports clubs and all that doing backpacking. Yeah, yeah. You don't see that anymore. You see it in Dunn's Corners Car at the weekend. Do you see it in Dunn's Corners? You don't yeah, see it yeah. down here. You, the the coaches don't do it, and I'm. It's, uh, it's possibly because there's, there's just nothing but GAA clubs down here and the GAA are giving everything anyway so they don't need to get out there and do a craft of a weekend and fundraise yeah. through a backpack. Don't Corners card it's done though I see it every weekend. Good well that's, that's good to hear but I think the the people have lost their mind and they have forgotten the values which have got us this far in life and that is don't put fire lighters beside your steak unless you want fire lighter flavoured steak. You know like we, we, we We've lost a run of ourselves in, in our bagging methodology. And I think maybe it is a case of the little and the Aldi firing stuff at you. So you just fuck it all into a bag so you can get out of there and you don't feel embarrassed by holding up the queue because they've only ever got two tills open and they're about 20 people deep. So, Very good. you know, that, yeah, that would be my, my, my top tip for the big shop. That is a brilliant about, top tip. Yeah, be strategic about we're, it. We're, we're going to leave it there because the Milan Derby's on, the semi final of the Champions League is about to kick off. Um, that is a brilliant top tip. Yeah, I'm going downstairs now, and I'm going to we we got a cooked chicken in the shop. What are you going to have it with? We're making a curry out of it. Well, part of it will be for a curry, part of it will be for a salad, and then cubes will do something with uh, the rest of it for the dogs' din. So mm-hmm. we'll get well, we'll get about four dinners out of it and a bit for the dogs. Lovely. I'm going to have some vegetas. I love um, vegetas, man. I love. So. That. If anyone wants to listen to us, they can search WTS Pod on all podcast providers. Um, you can go to WTSPod.com as well, and we're there. But just punch in 
WTS Pod on Podcast Republic, Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere, everywhere you can get a podcast. Um, he's at Danjo Murray on socials. I'm at Meridian Mania. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you again next week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time. Beer noise. Full hearts. And lose. This week.